Hey everybody, Jordan here. In the last third of this episode, we talk quite a bit about mental illness, including some discussion of suicide. I just didn't want you to be caught off guard by that content if you happen to be sensitive to it. All right, enjoy the episode. better but you don't know what you're talking about and you say i know better but you don't know what you're talking about and you say welcome to wkjp news radio the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom news radio one episode at a time i am your host jordan and here with me as always is <clears throat> okay i'm being handed a mem a memo that says kayleen really mm-hmm <laughs> Today, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 18, entitled Led Zeppelin. Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how are you doing? I'm finally well. I've been sick for a month. I know. So we have not recorded in a long time, and a big chunk of that was because of how sick you were. I know. I was the worst sick, then our youngest, then you. And our oldest didn't really get sick at all. No, mine was mostly allergies. Yeah. And it wasn't COVID. No. Because I took, I think, four PCR (laughs) tests. Yeah. Yeah. Had the worst laryngitis I've ever had. Literally lost your voice. I mean, I've had laryngitis before, but that was on a different level. Like that was, I couldn't even make a sound. Yeah. Like I was whispering. Yes. Which it was really interesting it's like a, it was like a sociological experiment sure. when you don't have a voice and you whisper to people, they automatically whisper back. I know that we all did just kind of subconsciously. Yeah. It's like, oh. Even the nurse did though. When I went to the doctor, uh-huh. I was talking to her and describing my symptoms and I could tell she was like, okay, yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to whisper back to me. I know that that's a trick you can do with drunk people when they're getting too loud. Is like Mm. instead of going higher and going louder, you go quieter and they will go quieter to match you. I think that's just not even just a drunk person thing. I think that's actually just a human response. Sure. I would say I'm 90% well. We've made a comeback. (laughs) It has been a long month. Yeah, it has. Yeah. But I am excited to be recording again with my, my wonderful, gorgeous wife. I know you're very cute when we do this podcast. You kind of you you uh, revert in age about ten years. Oh, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe fifteen years. I like it. I I've said this before on the podcast, but um, if it were up to me, this would be my job. This would be my primary project. Really? Yeah. Like if I could quit huh. my job and do this, and then just like also be a dad, like I would do that. Well, people should start paying us to do this. Yeah. You guys want to pay us? Because we're not living on my salary alone. No. <laughs> I guess we could start a Patreon. Is there any interest in that? Mom? <laughs> Mom, you want to throw a couple bucks our way? <laughs> okay. Well, I also like to ask at the top, what have you been watching lately? Oh, God. We watched Severance. We did. We watched the whole first season of Severance. I fell on the floor. It was so good. Like, I was on the edge of my seat. I have not been that titillated by a television show since Breaking Bad. She was really into it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
I had visceral response. I just really, really enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Yeah, and I've been thinking about it since, and it was just all of the things that I like. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It was dark. Mm-hmm. It was confusing. It was weird. weird. It was beautiful. It was exciting. It was exciting. It was the perfect mix of all of the things that I like. It gave me enough breadcrumbs to follow along with this strange plot for I could understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave me enough things to be like, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. To keep me interested. Um, a little bit of romance. A little bit of uh, creepy horror. Like the scene that really made you uncomfortable. Yeah, there were definitely some, <laughs> uh, some unsettling scenes. I would describe this show as Office Space directed by David Lynch. Huh. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I just really enjoyed Severance. Highly recommend. Nice. Um, well, we got uh, an Apple TV subscription. And so I have also been watching Foundation which right. is Apple TV's production of the Foundation novels from the, what, 50s by Isaac Asimov, and that's really enjoyable. It's a big old sprawling space opera hmm. with, like, a Star galactic Wars. empire that's lasted 12,000 years and faster-than-light travel and hmm. multiple alien languages. And it seems more yours deal than mine, but maybe I'd be into it. I don't think you'd be into it. It's, okay. it's Wheel of Time in Space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. We watched a couple episodes of Russian Doll. You weren't really into it. I have heard that it the second season gets better after the first two or three episodes, but the yeah. first two or three were so boring and such a letdown, I thought that I didn't want to continue. I loved the first season. You, We both did. Yeah. I, I, I'll probably keep giving it a shot. Give it a shot and let, let me know. Let um, us know. Well, great. We also like to ask a question at the top. Did you think of one? I did. Oh, good. Okay, because I'm not ready. Okay, that's fine. So my question for you tonight, Kayleen, is what TV series that you liked ended too soon? Would you like me to go first while you think? Yeah, you go first. I'm going to think. So I had this trouble thinking of very many. The big one I thought of was Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Because that only had three seasons, and mm-hmm. that was like my go-to answer for a long time. But then they had the movie a couple of years ago that really wrapped things up nicely, I thought. So yeah, yeah. I sort of feel like there's not... It did end too soon, but like it got the happy ending it needed. And the exact same thing is true of Firefly, which is the Cowboys... I never, I never saw that. Oh, okay. It's the Cowboys in Space TV show from Fox from the very early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it with my friends, Jeff and Justin and those guys. And that got two seasons. No, it didn't. It, that got one short season. And then it got a movie later on called Serenity. And the movie was really good. And the movie kind of like ended <laughs> ended everything. Like there's nowhere it can go now. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the two like two of the classics that ended too soon. And then the only other one that I could really think of was Gravity Falls. It has two seasons. Oh, I don't. I thought there were more than that. I never. I've only re- watched it 
when really you and our oldest is watching it. I've never really seen it. I really, yeah, I heard it was good. I showed it to him. He was super into it, and that got me in super into it as well. And um, there's only two seasons. I feel like they could have done at least one more season. They could easily have done a movie as well. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of my answers. What do you think? I don't know if I have an answer for once. Um, is there a TV show that you wish had one more season? No. I can't think of any. If anything, there's. I'm thinking of shows that I think went on too long. I know. That's typically what happens, right. especially with network TV. Right. Like, this is such a weird answer, but the only thing I can think of is there was a show on Hulu that I was into for a while called Harlots, and don't even make that face. What? I'm not making a face. I saw that face. Mm. You don't like the name Harlots. Um, this is a family podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> we earn the E <laughs> on our podcast. Not, no, we don't. Um, but it was about uh, like prostitutes in maybe like the 1700s, 1800s. I don't even know what year it is. Um, in like London. And... I just really liked it. It was sort of like the other side of Bridgerton or the other side of Downton Abbey, sure. I guess. But I liked their costumes and I thought it was kind of a, I liked the characters. I liked the stories, different um, madams basically like kind so of. So it took place in a brothel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was sort of like competing brothels, but like they're, they're not brothels for like the poorest people. They're for like the people who have money and want to sometimes um, like have fun on the side, but they're not like, they're not like the saddest. Okay. Got it. <laughs> poorest women sure. selling themselves. It's like women who are still dressing up and putting on makeup and trying to run in society and whatever, but like they're also, you can pay to have sex with them. Right. Um, and I really liked it. And it was a show that like, I feel like I liked, I don't even know if anyone else even watched <laughs> it. Uh, it was well done. Like, I mean, like it sure. had a budget sure. for sure. Um, I think it had two seasons and I felt like it just kind of ended abruptly. I think maybe, maybe it had three scenes. I felt like it was the type of show where they did a season and then, like a year and a half later, they did a second season, and then like maybe there was a third randomly, but it's like you don't know if they're going to get picked up again or mm -hmm. whatever. So I just really liked that show. I I would like to see more of that show. Mm -hmm. but I can't think of any others. I'll have to keep thinking about it. Sure. The reason I ask is because I think news radio does fall into this category. I, I oh, think sure. Given that Phil Hartman died, I think what? one more series. Hmm? What? I know. I'm sorry to break the news yeah, to you. Yeah, no, I knew. I did know that before coming in. Given that Phil Hartman died, I think one more season after that was appropriate. But if he hadn't died, I think they could have gotten another two or three seasons. I think it just kept getting better and better and weirder and weirder. And that mm. was a lot of fun. And they probably could have had another fun season or two before it was done. But. Yeah, I, I knew that he died during production. I don't know when that's going to happen. And I don't know how they deal with that sure. in this story. But I was reading something recently and apparently I didn't know this, but John Lovitz must be coming at some point. I don't know if he don't tell me, but I'm guessing he is like the person who came on after Phil Hartman. I don't know. So don't confirm or deny, but mm -hmm. I just feel like I could imagine him. 
I was reading something about John Lovitz, and then they were like, oh, and he was on news radio. And I was like, oh, hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that after Phil Hartman dies is when John Lovitz comes on. And I'm not a big fan of John Lovitz. I was going to so, ask what you thought about John Lovitz. No. I feel like if I, I feel like he plays one character. Yes. And I don't like that guy. <laughs> I don't like that guy either, but that guy makes me laugh. Like, he has one um, kind of character he is, and I yeah. think he's really funny. I can handle... So he guest starred on Friends. He played a food critic. Oh. I think um, something with Monica and food. I can't remember exactly, like, what the plot line was. But I feel like that was kind of funny, but it was, like, one episode. Right. You know, like, I'm seeing him as a recurring character. I don't know. Okay. When I think of John Lovitz, I think of The Critic, yes. which was not a show I watched, but I knew about it Okay, in like the 90s. It got a lot of syndicated play on Comedy Central in the 90s, and mm. so I watched a lot of The Critic, and like the other kind of weird kids I knew had watched it as well, because we all <laughs> watched yeah. Comedy Central pretty obsessively. Um, he ha- He absolutely steals the movie The Wedding Singer. He's in like one scene and he is oh. the funniest part of the what entire scene movie. Is he in? He's a competing wedding singer. Okay. And he kind of comes up and needles uh, Adam Sandler a little bit. And he has the best line, which is as the curtain is drawing across his face. Losing his mind. And I'm reaping all the benefits. That's right. Like, that's right. That's yes. exactly who he is, and yeah, he's perfect yeah, yeah. for that role. That's a funny movie. I'd watch that movie. Again. I'd watch that again too. It was one of the first yeah. movies I went to with a girlfriend. Ooh, did you watch it or listen to it? Earning that <laughs> e-reading. <laughs> you watched it. Yeah, we watched it. <laughs> so what's next, Jordan? So that's the question for this week. As always, feel free to answer the question yourself or reach out to give us ideas of questions you'd like to hear. Should we get into the episode? Let's get into the episode. This week we'll be talking about season two, episode 18, called Led Zeppelin. This first aired March 31st, 1996. It was written by Leslie Cavaney and directed by Patrick Maloney. There are no new number ones to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get right into the episode. Okay. Synopsis from IMDb is... Dave and Lisa tell the staff that they've split up, and Mr. James hopes to find a wife by the end of the business day. I'm kind of getting tired of this um, the wife, wife search. search. A little bit. Uh, they lean on it a lot more heavily in season two than I remembered. Hmm. So they just like they just need something for him to do. A little bit. So he's like, oh, I'll be around looking for a wife. I, I mean, I don't want to tell you about what happens in the show, but yeah, don't. he gets other things to do. Oh, like, I'm, oh I'm, his, I know that. His entire thing in the show is not <laughs> simply yes, looking I, for a wife. I assumed that, yes. So in the first scene, we start out at a staff meeting at the conference table. Everyone is making jokes about Dave and Lisa, um, basically turning everything Dave or Lisa says around. So gross. Gross and inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine if you and I worked together Mm -hmm. and I was like, hey, Jordan, give that to me. And somebody was like, yeah, but she said that last night. And you'd be like, oh, my God, (laughs) appalled. Like, I don't know. No, you're right. 
the one thing I liked is that we get a that's what she said from Beth mm-hmm. probably 10 years before we really got one on The Office. I mean, and I had heard that before The Office. I had not. I, I definitely had heard that before The I, Office. I definitely, I definitely believe it was a thing before The mm-hmm. Office, but that's what really yes. blew it up yes. as a joke. I was going to ask, do you have a favorite real life example of that's what she said? I mean, no, because it's usually just like, wow, that's so big. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's usually some variation of that. I think, okay, so maybe you didn't have the kind of friends who would make that joke as much or... I guess. Okay. Do you have a favorite? I do have a favorite. What is it? So when I was in grad school... One of the first classes that we all took together was on formal logic, and it was just kind of a bonding experience because it was kind of a painful class. And at the end of the semester, our sort of stuck-up professor was talking about the final exam that he had written, Mm -hmm. and we were kind of teasing him, trying to tease him a little bit and say, like, okay, is it really hard? And he's like... Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard. I tried to make it long and hard. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like there in my life, there have been times people have said it and it was very funny Mm -hmm. in the moment, but but none of those have stuck out to me. Okay. That's the one that stands out in my mind is, uh, my friend Brad saying. That's interesting. So Dave and Lisa break the news that they are breaking up. Um, Beth says she's not going to get stuck in the middle of them, but she has to tell Lisa she's always been jealous of her big apartment and easy to manage hair. She does have easy to manage hair. Beth has curly hair. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Lisa tells her to budget for rent and conditioner, but like that kind of did not sit well with me at all. Cause I was like, can you imagine the difference in what they make? Like Beth oh, is a yeah. secretary and they live in Manhattan and Lisa is an on-air reporter. Yeah. Also, it just felt like a very weird out of place joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing I like about this scene is that Matthew is genuinely upset by the idea that they're breaking up. It's yeah. just really sweet that he wants them to be together. Uh, so he grabs both their hands and tries to like, we're going to work through this together. And because they're on both ends of the conference table, they just walk away and drag him across the table. And Matthew fell. Oh, I was so surprised. This one was funny. This one actually had some integration into the overall plot. This wasn't just a, hey, Matthew, catch this ball. Whoa! Yeah, that's true. So, but I always wonder if Andy Dick ever actually got hurt. That's a good question. I mean, clearly he's doing these stunts himself. Yeah. Like, I actually was like, did they put a mattress at the end? I mean, that would be a hard fall off the end of the table mm-hmm. like that. So two things I noticed as well is that I really like Matthew's shirt. He's I noticed wearing that, that too. button-down yes. gray shirt with the red and white. It's a gray shirt yes. with a red and white racing stripe on I the side. I actually noticed that as well. I thought, like, that is a very cool shirt. In the 90s. For, like, the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Those kind of, like, it's not a bowling shirt, but it's in the same, oh, yeah. like, vicinity. Yeah. The guy I had a crush with in middle school wore shirts like that. You had a crush with him? Is that what I said? I had a crush with him. Well, he had a crush on me, too. It, you two had crushes together. We had crushes. And they happened to be on each other? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There. It worked. Yeah. I also noticed that they're drinking bottles of water, which is a little bit surprising because I thought, I guess mid-90s is about the time when people started marketing bottles of water. Mm-hmm. I watched an episode of Seinfeld recently, the one where they're doing a merger of... Poland Spring 
and some other company. Sure. And it's like they're both water companies. Hmm. I mean, that was on around the same time as this. Yeah, I suppose it was. So, hmm. Hmm. After the credits, Mr. James comes into the office. He asks Beth to get him a telephone headset. So he has that list of 17 wife candidates left, and he wants to get a wife found by the end of the business day. Uh, He tells Catherine he's lonely, but then he also saves a bundle if he can get married by the end of the quarter. So his running thing the entire episode is just being at the conference table, (laughs) cold calling prospective wife candidates. He had fun little toys, I noticed. He definitely did. So did you count which toys he had? He had some very classic. I can think of only three. Desk toys. He had the, actually I can think of four throughout the episode. He had a Chinese yo-yo. Chinese yo-yo. That's what I was trying to think of. I I knew it was like one of those things that you go, and it goes, and you know, zips out. Everybody can see that, right? When I do that, everyone's watching me. It's like a wand. It's like a wand that extends out when you kind of flick your wrist. Um, And then he had that uh, squeeze ball thing where the eyes and the ears kind of pop out, like squeeze ball alien face thing. Yeah. And then he had, I saw on the table a Jacob's Ladder. And I also saw, oh, you brought our Jacob's Ladder down here. Yes, he has one, and I have one almost identical. I don't even remember. I think we got this. That's mine. I'm holding it up right now. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. No. I think it's mine. No, that's incorrect. It's mine. Okay. We might have had, we might have both had one and then threw one out or something because we're like, why do we need two of these? But I think I got this one on a road trip with my family, like at some, like. We had the exact same one. Well, it well, must have been everywhere because he had one too. Yeah. So everyone listen. Everyone. That's me doing the Jacob's Ladder. This is a quality podcasting here. And then he also had one of those drinking bird things. The dippy drinking bird that yeah. Homer puts in charge of the uh, remote workstation. Okay. Yeah. You have to give me a dollar every time you reference The Simpsons. Okay. Deal. <laughs> I get very mildly stressed out looking at that conference table because there's always just newspaper spread out all over it Mm -hmm. as if, like, there was going to be, like, a hamster cage on it later. Yeah. There's just paper. Are they going to do a craft project? Yeah. Makes me uncomfortable. Hmm. Someone should clean that up. So Joe brings Beth to the break room door to overhear crying in the break room. He's like wow, Lisa's taking this really hard. Maybe you should go in there. And he actually says, go talk to her chick to chick. I thought it was really funny that chick to chick, that phrase doesn't get a laugh. Like apparently that's just like a totally reasonable thing for someone like Joe to say. I would have thought that would have been like a laugh line. Like I'm such a bro. Hmm. I'm saying you should talk to her chick to chick as opposed to like woman to woman. Hmm. That's all. So they're standing there listening, and Lisa walks up behind them. It turns out the person actually crying in the break room is... Poor Matthew. Poor Matthew. That gave me a smirk. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. He came out with his tiny bag of Fritos. He found his chips. So Lisa's trying to get her work done with minimal talking to Dave. She says that she wants to communicate via written memos. Memos? Written memos. That's absurd. Absurd or not, you've got to give me some space for a while. <laughs> All right. Uh, to Lisa from Dave R.E. Memos. Screw this. 
What do you mean handwritten memos will not be accepted? <laughs> I just really like that preparedness on her part. I mean, it shows how much she knows him. Yep. Yeah. That he's going to use the word absurd. In the break room, Beth and Lisa are talking. Beth is trying to convince Lisa that the memo thing is excessive. Lisa admits that she just can't talk to Dave right now because if she talks, she'll yell. And when she yells, she gets horny. That's weird. Also, like, we have seen her angry lots of times mm-hmm. in this show. So it feels like a it feels like a really convenient, like, oh, we're just gonna decide now that like this is how she gets. I don't know. I just felt I don't think we've seen her mad a ton of times. She's exasperated a lot. No, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Um, I think that this is really funny because this is a good match for Dave because we learned earlier on that he is really turned on by Lisa being mad at him. So I think that this right. kind of explains why they have such an instant chemistry. Does that yeah. resonate with you I as don't a person, know. I just, I felt it annoying to watch her be like, also, it was like the second she raised her voice, she was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to fall over from lust. It's like, <laughs> no, I mean, I guess like there are people who get really passionate mm-hmm. you know i guess like anger and passion are two sides of the same coin and yeah. so like but you don't go there after 10 seconds of just like your blood pressure going no. up a little like i just felt like it was a little too it felt forced mm, sure um yeah and it does not resonate with me at all like being turned on and being angry are no. not the same thing no not even close no not at all <laughs> no so in Dave's office, he's writing Lisa a memo. It's now up to seven pages. Uh, Bill comes in. He's trying to commiserate with Dave because Linda just dumped him. Um, I was wondering, is that the same Linda that he had convinced that he was British? I think so, yeah. I, remember, I thought that too. I remember from the commentary that the his thing with Linda and pretending to be British was supposed to stretch out longer in mm. the season. I think we're supposed to believe that's the same person. Mm. So Linda dumped Bill. Uh, but apparently Bill has not been suffering in any of the same ways, so Dave is up all night listening to the same record over and over. Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Bill's been sleeping like a baby. Like a rock, actually. You're right, like a rock. So Bill comes in, he's trying to relate to Dave, but his stories about Linda just keep getting wilder and wilder, so it becomes clearer and clearer that Linda's just completely insane. And honestly, Bill's stories about Linda are one of my favorite parts of this episode. You can tell yeah, the writers yeah. just had fun yes. <laughs> making... Setting a garbage can on fire. <laughs> so um, the, Bill tries to relate to Dave about how long women take in the bathroom, and... Uh, <laughs> Bill's version is that Linda was in the bathroom for three hours, and eventually when he broke down the wind door, she had gone out the window and done the fire escape. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, women. <laughs> oh, women. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. Right here, your brother. <laughs> so Matthew comes in and startles Bill. Bill goes, oh, I thought you were a woman. <laughs> Matthew says, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> It's just a a silly little joke between them. Uh, So Matthew gives flowers to Dave, and it turns out he's also given flowers to Lisa to try to patch things up between them. He's such a child. Like, once I started thinking of him as a child, like, trying to get his mom and dad back together, like, a lot of his actions make more sense and are cuter, I guess. Yes, yes. Uh, I do like the 
visual gag of the flowers flying through the doorway and smashing all over him. Mr. James is on the phone with, uh, pleading with Winona and Bill comes down and says, Winona Ryder. He goes, (laughs) I like the way that he pronounces the word Judd. (laughs) And then she doesn't give him the time of day. So he asks her to put her mom on, um, which is Naomi Judd, who just actually just passed away a few days ago. Yeah. It was really sad. Um, and then when she's not around, he asked her to put on her sister, Ashley Judd. Oh, that's the sisters. I was, I was thinking, I was like, who's the sister? Okay. Yeah. Do you know anything about the Judds? Country music. I know. That's they, it. They were a Red name. hair. Yes. They were a music. name growing up in my house. Like, yeah. we knew about Christian, them. Christian, maybe? I think kind of Christian adjacent. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could just say, like, Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that much about them either. In the next scene, Dave is up to page 24 on his memo. Uh, There's some more jokes about Linda. We talked about Mr. James' various desk toys. One thing I noticed that's very 90s is that old Apple printer. I noticed that too. Yeah, that really rang some nostalgia bells for me because it's that exact kind of gray matte color that Mm -hmm. like all Apple products Mm -hmm. were. And it had the rainbow striped Apple logo. We were an Apple house, so like... We were not, but I remember that printer. Yeah. So Dave is trying to print his memo, uh, but it ends up going to the other printer. So Dave has some fun chasing around the various copies of his memo for the next scene or two. Bill comes into the break room. He's sniping at Lisa. Um, Lisa starts to get really angry at him. Well, do you talk about me? I hardly think that's your business. (laughs) God, you do. What did he say about me? Things, just things. Don't play games with me. You got what you wanted from Dave, right? And then you snapped your legs shut like a well-oiled bear trap. I did nothing of the sort, you dumb pig. And Bill, would you please leave this room right now? Or else what? Or else I'm going to yell at you some more. So bring it on. I can take it. I'm very angry at Bill right now. So what else is new? I'm about... Say no more. Bill, you gotta get out of here. Trust me. Beth comes in to rescue Lisa. You're like a werewolf or something. (laughs) And then Lisa licks Beth's hand. Gross. There's something about licking a hand that's like repulsive. I remember that being like a trick that you could use in elementary school or middle school is like, you know, you would be like wrestling or like fighting with somebody and they'd put their hand over your mouth. Yeah. And then you were supposed to like lick their hand. And I was always like, that's disgusting. It I is disgusting. I don't want to lick anybody's hand. But you know, I'm doing, this is weird, but if I, I was just thinking if I were being like assaulted or something and put yeah. someone put their hand over my mouth, I might try that. It might be a good way to get them to stop mm-hmm. putting their hand over your mouth. I guess. I would not like... Somebody licking my hand. Either. I know. I think it's a general response. People don't like their hands being licked, unless it's like a dog or something. But even I don't. I don't like being licked by dogs. Yeah. I think it's gross. <laughs> so Bill just has a variety of wonderful lines in this episode. So one that he says is when he learns that Dave is up to page twenty-four. Twenty-four pages. I can't believe that under your placid, pasty exterior lay such a volcano of emotion. Yeah, well, I've done some seething in my time. In high school, I was voted most likely to erupt. I had a bit of a complexion problem myself. I like the lyricalness of the wording, and then I also really like 
Phil Hartman's delivery. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like hard lines to deliver mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I think also because I've been watching Seinfeld, Seinfeld I feel like is very much written like that. Mm. Like I feel like they have a lot of descriptive language in Seinfeld. Right. You know. Well, and everybody on Seinfeld, the four main characters were all such pros at delivering lines. Yes. I mean, they're all so good at delivering it in just... In their character. In their character in the funniest way. So Bill convinces Dave to let him review the memo to make sure it's not just hysterical ranting. Another good Bill line. And then I'll wind it down so I'm not just repeating Bill lines, but I also do like the fact that he says Dave should let Bill read it because uh, even if he told everybody, no one would believe him because he's widely considered to be an inveterate liar, and rightly so. It's a real weird moment of self-awareness on his part. It's like, yes, I know everyone thinks I'm a liar. Mm -hmm. Also, it occurred to me watching this episode that... We need to take the reports of how Linda behaved with a huge handful of salt, given that in the same episode, Bill admits that he is an inveterate liar. Right. Sure. So. And we've met Linda. Mm-hmm. So. So uh, that was something I didn't think about before. I've always just kind of taken what he said about Linda as a given. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, she was crazy. And now I'm thinking, like, maybe Bill's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just fabricating stuff. In the next scene, Joe has recovered the memo. The memo had also somehow come through the fax machine, uh, so Beth brings it into him. Joe is reading the recovered memo on Dave's computer. Uh, there's something really funny about the juxtaposition of the content of the memo with the idea of reading it off of ones and zeros. So he's looking at a oh my screen God. full of ones and zeros. Once again, there is no freaking way... That he can read binary. I agree with you on this one. This is one I agree with you because I have seen that and like I know how to like count in binary and it takes so much mental work to even be like, that's a 14. (laughs) Yeah. As opposed to reading, uh, what is the line? What is jealousy but the flame of passion? (laughs) Right. Anyway, that juxtaposition is funny to me. Um, Catherine also comes in. She says that one of the interns found a crumpled page in the printer. Uh, first of all, they have interns. Well, who are those people in the background? All They're the all interns? I guess so. The guy who looks 10 years older than everybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> going for a career change. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. So Mr. James is still on the phone. He's comparing favorite albums with a wife candidate uh, when she says that her favorite album is by... Not Simon and Garfunkel, but just Garfunkel. He says, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not going to work. Yeah, I don't know enough about Simon and Garfunkel. Did Garfunkel actually put out albums, Art Garfunkel? He did, yeah. So I mean, clearly Paul Simon had a much more lucrative... And successful career. And successful solo career. Right. Paul Simon was also way more of a songwriter mm-hmm. than Art Garfunkel was. Like, I probably know more about Art Garfunkel than most normal people do because I've, I have listened to his stuff and yeah, it's just very clear that he is not the same level of talent, especially like songwriting talent as Mm. Paul Simon. Mm. Um, but they both have beautiful voices. I, the other day I listened to both versions of April come, she will. There's one that Paul Simon sings and there's one that Art Garfunkel sings and they're both lovely. Hmm. So I was just going to defend him insofar as that. And also I will say that Breakaway by Art Garfunkel is not a bad album. 
Okay. There are some nice songs on there. Okay. Now, to say yeah. that's your favorite album, I agree. That's not tenable. It's a deal breaker. But Waters of March is nice. I only have eyes for you. <sighs> okay. You don't have to convince anyone. <laughs> I'm really trying to convince myself. I know. I can tell. <laughs> so Joe, Catherine, and Beth come up to Lisa and say that she really should talk to Dave because of all the things said in that memo. Um, so they're kind of rattling off the things they have read. Um, my favorite part is that Matthew overhears and he starts making up stuff about what was read in the memo. What else did it say? What else did what say? Dave's love letter memo to Lisa. Oh, yeah, the love letter memo, yeah. right. So my favorite part was the part he said he, he wanted to take you on a magic carpet ride, like in Aladdin. <laughs> And, and he was a man that would fight for your honor, even if it meant uh, against evil octopuses, like in Little Mermaid. Nice right? try, everyone. Well, and, and if you were Pocahontas? It's, it's really sweet that that's his comparison point. So Bill recommends that Dave not give Lisa the letter. Um, he gave a letter like it to Linda, and she said she thought it was written by a crazy person. <laughs> and there's just this beautiful back and forth between them, because he goes... I just met Linda for coffee. She said she missed me. She wanted to get back together, so I gave her a letter just like yours. Oh, really? When did you find the time to write a letter? Oh, I just Xeroxed a copy of yours. <laughs> Bill, that is a complete betrayal of my trust. What did you expect from me? You're right. Uh... As Dave is leaving the office for the evening, apparently this is one of those episodes that take place over the course of just one day. He talks to Mr. James... No luck on the wife candidate front for Mr. James. He says, I'd try the internet, but all the really sexy women on there are guys using fake names. True. Still true. Maybe, yeah. I mean, supposedly there are sexy singles in our area. Really? I've heard. Tell me more. I've heard. I had a couple pop-ups one time. (laughs) So Mr. James goes for one more Hail Mary, but then Dave tells him, no, actually, I took my mother off speed dial. So there's the Dave's mom (laughs) reference. So as they're sitting at the elevator, Lisa gives Dave a memo that says goodnight. Dave gets really frustrated and leaves the letter he'd written for her by the elevator. She comes out looking for it, but it gets slid into the elevator when the yeah, door is open. Yeah, such a dumb, like, why would he put it there when he knows? That whole scene did not make any sense. Didn't that also happen in a previous episode? Somebody leaves something for somebody else and it gets slid into the elevator the, I, several scenes by the elevators on this show drive me nuts like they okay. don't make any sense like the elevator shuts and then the person like then the doors open and they're still standing there right i just it doesn't yeah. make sense it doesn't make sense yeah. even the way he says like i'm gonna leave it right here by the elevator read it if you want it's like and then she can hear all of that while she's in the yes. elevator and like the doors have shut what is he thinking she's gonna come back up and get it well she like, must be standing in there he knows she's standing in there having not pressed the button but like listening to what he's saying I and guess. she wants to hear like what he's saying so she doesn't press the button to go up or down yet. But sometimes even if you don't push the button, the elevator will go if somebody on another floor True. is calling the elevator. And we know they're on the 14th floor, so there are many floors on this building. That's true. Like, hmm. yeah, the whole thing just felt... And also, he was so embarrassed by anyone reading this letter, so intimate, that yep. he's just going to leave it in the hallway for anybody to find. Right. Like, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Oh, it's going to bug me. There was another episode where yeah. something slid into the elevator, but I don't remember what it was. 
um, the banner that said, don't leave me Beth from the magician. Yeah. Yeah. But there was something else too. wasn't there. I feel like there was another elevator something or other. Hmm. Listeners reach out and tell us. So Lisa gets really mad. She's all hot and bothered by the time Bill comes into the elevator and she gives him a meaningful look and that's the credits. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of this episode, Kayleen? I didn't write very many notes. I was just sitting and watching it. So I think I liked sitting and watching it. But now that we're talking back through it, I like it less. (laughs) Oh, really? Usually it works the other way. Usually I can kind of talk you into liking it more than your experience dictated. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've never liked Dave and Lisa as a couple. Mm -hmm. I I don't like the way their relationship started. I thought the drama in their relationship and the hiding the relationship was stupid and annoying. And you then, liked the stuff about Stuart in the last episode. You liked that sort of yeah, breakup drama. That a was, bit. like that was interesting. But again, it feels like sometimes it can't tell. Like, is it supposed to be funny or emotional? Because when you think about a show like Friends, like Ross and Rachel, definitely have funniness to their breakup. Like we Mm -hmm. were on a break Mm -hmm. and, you know, like funniness to their getting together and whatever. But when it came to really serious relationship emotions, friends could stop being funny and it could actually be emotional or sincere. And I've never believed that Dave and Lisa have sincere feelings for each other. Mm -hmm. Like this show never stops to actually be emotional, it feels like. It's Mm -hmm. like it's just always trying to be funny. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't feel invested in it. Sure. So. Yeah, I think they're just trying to make it a comedy. I don't think they're trying for sentimentality. It's a little bit more like. Seinfeld in that way where like sure they're never trying to make you feel bad that Jerry broke up with his girlfriend right right um so it's more like Seinfeld in, than friends in that regard but like the fact that he's writing her a 24 page letter I'm like oh there's clearly some feelings there and mm-hmm. he's been known to do some seething he talks about like when they were with Stuart in the other episode and he's talked about thinking about getting married and stuff like that's real. That's sincere. Mm-hmm. But it's always said in like a super throwaway way that's mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's not actually serious. We're not actually supposed to care about your feelings, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure I would go with you all the way there, but I will say it doesn't dip into sentimentality or it doesn't yeah. clue the viewer into thinking that we need to really care about Dave or Lisa's feelings. I don't know. There's just something off about their relationship that I don't, I don't like. That's fine. That's totally fine. What did you think of the rest of the episode? Mm. Well, that was kind of the whole episode was around, was revolving around their memo, communication, whatever. I mean, there's like the Mr. James and his wife search. Yeah. But like that felt like not even, almost not even a plot point. Yeah, it's true. Everybody else was just bouncing off of Dave and Lisa in that regard, except for Mr. James. Yeah. Yeah. I've said it already, but I really liked Bill's trying to relate to Dave despite having a clinically insane girlfriend. (laughs) Okay. So now it's time for the 90s. Yo, it's the 
90s. Okay, so I have a list here. Uh, the first thing I wrote was horny. <laughs> just just the word horny? <laughs> yes. I just feel like that's not a word people use anymore. Like, horny. <laughs> There's certain words in my mind that I group together. Horny is one. Hump is another one. <laughs> <laughs> just sure. there's something really like middle school Very about cute. them. Like I'm trying out sexuality. I'm trying to make sense of sex in general yeah. and intimacy. And the words I have are horny and hump. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe just in my own mind, I think of those as ninety, like that word as a nineties word. Sure, I don't know because you were in middle school in the nineties. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, reference to the Judds. Yep. Um, also reference to Melanie, uh, Melanie Griffith and Antonio Banderas. I, I remember when they were like the a hot couple. Oh, really? Were mm-hmm. they? Okay. Oh, yeah. Cause I, I know the name Melanie Griffith, but I had to go look up who she was cause it didn't ring any bells for me. Yeah. Um, Antonio Banderas has clearly had a much longer lasting career. Yeah. I just remember them dating or being married. I remember mm. that. Um, and then, I mean, they've done it before, but a fax reference, of course. Sure. Faxing from a laptop. <laughs> I don't think, I still don't think that's actually something you can do, but apparently Joe can rig it. Oh, sure you can. Yeah, with really? Bluetooth now. Oh, I suppose. Do people still have fax machines? I believe so. Oh, okay. Um, there was something not that long ago where it was like, well, you can email that to us or you can fax it in. And I was like, well, okay, I will email it to you. <laughs> um, Joe references the bridges of Madison County. Oh, that's right. Which I tried to read in the 90s. You did? Yes, because oh. my parents had it. Oh. And then they saw I was reading it and it disappeared. Oh, my gosh. Why is it like scandalous or something? There might be some sex in it or something. Isn't Meryl Streep in that movie? Sure. I'm, I know nothing about that book or movie. It's about Madison County, Iowa. That's okay. as much as I know. Okay. It's romantic, probably. Probably. Yeah. I'll, I've never I've never known. <laughs> I lost every chance I had. <laughs> but that was a big book in the 90s. Like, that was a huge bestseller, and it was one like, sure. people referenced all the time. Sure. It was kind of the English patient of books. Yes. Um, the other obvious references are from Matthew, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, Pocahontas. Oh, sure. I guess I didn't even... Those are still also relevant to me. Right. Yeah. Come up every day. Yeah. Any others that you caught? Mm-mm, no, me it. either. Cool. Well, in that case, it's now time for... Is it the game? I want the game. The game. I'm just here for the game. <laughs> You've made it clear in the past that um, you don't feel good at trivia. No, I don't. Five well, out of ten. Five out of ten. Kayleen's shooting for five out of ten. <laughs> well, I have something tonight that could only very loosely be called trivia. Okay. <laughs> I had a really hard time coming up with a thematically relevant game. Yeah, this is kind of a tough episode for a theme. 
so then I started writing one, but I realized that there's no way that I would expect you to guess any of this. Oh. So it's more like, here's some stuff. <laughs> so this isn't a game. So it's going to be structured in the way of the game where I have you guess something. Okay. But I'm not expecting you to, like, get any of these. <laughs> That you're so poor at trivia. No, no, it's not that. It's like there's. I want to tell you about some cool stuff, and we're gonna structure it in a way. I'm gonna like ask you to guess first. (laughs) I feel like I'm getting screwed out of a game, but okay, maybe a little bit. (laughs) Okay, you can tell me whether you feel cheated at the end. Okay. So one of my favorite parts of this episode is hearing the bizarre ways in which Linda acts. Mm-hmm. So I looked up delusions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I want to state at the outset that I don't want to be taken as like making light of these things or joking about them or being disrespectful sure. to people who actually suffer from mental illness because that's absolutely not what I want to do here. I just think it's really cool and weird and interesting how the mind can go completely haywire in really specific ways. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell you about some of them. Okay. <laughs> so in each case, I'm going to talk about a delusion and I'm just going to ask you about something about it. Okay. Got it. Question number one, olfactory reference syndrome is a condition in which the patient has a persistent false belief and preoccupation with what? Um, something about smell. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Olfactory. Olfactory reference syndrome. I mean, I'm thinking of like using smell as a reference for memory. Mm. Like how smells and memories are tied together. Uh, false belief that they are like reliving a memory when they smell something or that they are. These are really good guesses. Yeah, I don't know. Something about smell and yeah, memory, I think. Definitely. The false belief is that they are emitting offensive body odor. Oh. So it's somebody convinced that their body smells terrible. Yeah. And they interpret other people's behavior around them as indications that they're like oh. offended by their body odor. So like if I'm talking to you and I see yeah. you like scratch your nose, what you're really doing is like trying to hold your nose because of how bad I smell. Huh. That's really specific. I thought it would be a more general, like, that, like, they think they smell bad. Right. Like, if they sniffed their clothing, would they be like, oh, they smell bad? Yeah, they might. Hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. Or they're just, it's a version of paranoia. Yeah. In which you interpret other people's actions as like, oh, everyone thinks I stink but no one is telling me how badly they think I stink. That's sad. I know, it's really sad. Question number two. The Capgrass delusion is a psychiatric disorder in which the patient believes that a friend, spouse, parent, etc. has been what? Capgrass? Mm-hmm. That's the name of the person. That's like, that must be the name of the person who discovered it or something. My guess is that they're... They think that their friends are plotting to kill them. Good guess. Good guess. This is that their loved one has been replaced by an identical (gasps) imposter. Oh, I've heard of that before. Yeah. So I see you and I say... That's not actually... You're not really Kayleen. Yeah. 
like you may look exactly like and her. have all of her memories mm-hmm. and have no you're an imposter somebody somebody has like trying to deceive yeah, me yeah yeah and what's interesting i mean that's just a really cool interesting way the brain can be really yeah. weird yeah one hypothesis is that it's a disconnect between the part of the brain that recognizes faces and the part of the brain that feels emotion so i no longer mm. feel the same emotion that i do when i see your face and so my interpretation of that is like, oh, it must not really be you if I don't right. see you and feel the love I feel for you. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Kind of cool. Question number three. Paris syndrome is identified as a severe form of blank, particularly among Japanese and other East Asian peoples. Um, people who fetishize French things. <laughs> I mean, Japanese people do really like, like they have an Eiffel Tower and stuff in Japan, right? I don't know. I've I've, heard no, I've heard of this. Like they, people like they create little, uh, for wedding photos, they have like a fake Eiffel Tower that you can go to to like take wedding photos at. Oh. Yeah. So. You're very close. So it's a severe form of culture shock. So apparently when people from Japan or Korea, other East Asian countries will visit Paris, they experience a really profound sense of disappointment. Yeah, I've heard of this. By visiting the real thing. Yeah. And apparently it's because they've got it so built up in their mind culturally. It's like super romantic Mm -hmm. and like magical and... Yep, you hear the like accordion going and you imagine the sunset, you know, behind the Eiffel Tower. Baguettes shooting out of every basket on a bicycle. That's right. (laughs) I just watched Ratatouille with our kids. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it's not obviously in the DSM, but like it's a recognized thing that people go to Paris and they're like, oh, it's just like a a city. It's another big city. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Question number four. Apophenia is an informal psychological bias. And it's a theme in three movies. I'm going to give you the three movies. Okay. And you're going to tell me what you think apophenia is. Okay. Pie from 1998. Oh, God. A Beautiful Mind from 2001. And The Number 23 from 2007. (laughs) So the first movie uh, I watched and made out during... (laughs) Why is that becoming a theme in this? <laughs> I'm just saying. The second one, uh, we tried to watch once and we were high and couldn't make it through. A Beautiful Mind? Yes. You and I tried to watch? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. I never made it through. We tried to watch it and then you got freaked out and we had to stop. Okay. Um, I actually think that also happened to me with Pi <laughs> the first time I tried to watch it. I think... Yeah. But we were, that was not when we were together. And then 23, I don't know. I remember seeing the trailer for it in the theater. Yeah. And one joke that Kayleen and I have, well, I mean, we haven't been able to do this in many years, but one joke that we have is if you and I are at a theater watching a movie together, we're watching the trailers, the worse the movie is, <laughs> yes. we lean over to each other and say really loudly in a stage whisper, we should go see that. <laughs> I still think that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that's one that we did that for. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I forgot that we did that. Yeah. When was the last time we saw a movie I haven't seen a movie in a theater in forever. 
Okay. Ab- okay, so what's going on in those three movies? So it's like people who it's something with time, right? Like they I want to say time travel, but I know that's not it. Um, something like, oh, it's like short-term memory loss, right? People who have like uh, profound short-term memory loss or something like that. You're thinking of a moment of memento. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Really smart with math. Is that? That's not a bad guess. <laughs> yeah. Smart math mind. Yes, they do. They have smart math mind. You're correct. <laughs> No, apophenia is perceiving meaningful connections between unrelated things mm. or seeking patterns and in random information. Mm. Basically, the human mind is really designed to seek out patterns and mm-hmm. make sense of random information. Right. Um, so there's a really great They Might Be Giant song called Apophenia. Hey, everybody. Jordan dropping in here to say that They Might Be Giants have at least two songs concerning apophenia. The one I reference here is the one called Epiphenia. However, they also have a song called I've Been Seeing Things, which I much prefer. So if you're going to check one out, check that one out. Okay, that's it. Question number five. This type of delusion is characterized by, quote, fantastical beliefs that one is famous, wealthy, or otherwise very powerful. It's also a line in Return of the Jedi. I have no idea. Those would be delusions of grandeur. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're generally fantastic, and they typically have a religious, science fiction, or supernatural theme. Mm. So it's not typically that just like, you know, I'm very wealthy. It's like, you know I control all the money in the world, right? (laughs) Or like, you know that I'm the reincarnation of Christ, right? Yes. Question number six. Erotomania is a delusion in which the patient is convinced that another person blank Wants to have sex with them. Oh, you're so close. Yeah. Wants to make love to them. (laughs) Wants to kiss them. Is in love with or infatuated with them. Mm, mm -hmm. So it's the idea that... You're so obsessed with me. Exactly right. Yep. Oh my God, just leave me alone. The really funny thing, though, is that, quote, the object of obsession may also be imaginary, deceased, or someone the patient has never met. That balloon is so in love with me. It's just following me around. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times this, uh, according, you know, I'm getting this all from Wikipedia, but, like, it is really shy young women who are convinced that, like, some very famous male celebrity oh. is secretly in love with them. Oh. Yeah. That's sad. It is sad. Question number seven. The Cotard delusion is a psychiatric disorder in which the patient believes they are... A duck. (laughs) I don't know. The Cotard delusion is one in which the patient believes they are dead or do not exist. Mm. Oh. Yeah. These poor people. Can you imagine trying to work with someone who is convinced they're dead or they don't exist? I feel like if you already thought you were dead you'd be really at risk for actually harming or killing yourself. Yep. Because you would feel like, well, there's nothing to lose. There's no change in my, the state of my being. Yep. So why don't I just walk in front of a train, you yep. know, or whatever? There's a really famous heavy metal performer from Scandinavia who disappeared. I believe he committed suicide, and his suicide note said something to the effect of, like, I've never existed, so, like, this is not anything. Like, I'm just going back to what I am, which is not existing. And so they guessed that he was suffering from Cotard delusion. Hmm. Kind of interesting. 
Question number eight. You might know this one. <laughs> Let's switch it up. I'm just trying to like, are you finding this interesting? I like it's interesting, yeah. Here's some cool stuff. That's it. Question number eight. Stendhal syndrome is a psychosomatic condition allegedly occurring when individuals become exposed to what? They exposed to water. I don't know. That would be objects, artworks, or phenomena of great beauty and antiquity. Hmm. So oftentimes they get really rapid heartbeat in the presence of artwork, mm-hmm. or they can faint or become confused. Um, one really famous thing it's is listomania. It's I, I had listomania as an alternate question. Oh, really? On here. Yes. <laughs> that, that's a little bit different, but um, no, though you could even have hallucinations. There's a you know semi-famous anecdote about Norm Macdonald, who said that um, he had suffered from Stendhal syndrome at an art museum once, and he couldn't stop laughing when he saw this work of art. Like, he just went into, like, hysterical laughter. And hmm. some people get really psychologically overcome when they see really beautiful works of art. Hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking about, like, I've been to some of the bigger or more famous museums in the world and seen some of them. Like, I've, you know, seen Starry Night or, like, I've been in the Sistine Chapel and things like that. Two of the pieces in my life that I've seen that were the most that I remember like reacting to were School of Athens mm-hmm. in the Vatican and Apollo and Daphne, the statue by Bernini. Mm. But both times that I saw those, I think it was more it wasn't I wasn't like my heart wasn't racing or anything. It was more like I couldn't believe that I was standing in front of this piece of artwork that I had studied and knew, you know, the historical context of it and mm-hmm. um, something so famous, something so famous and thinking about that. I was standing where the artist had stood Sure, when they like, I remember standing in front of starry night and being like, Oh, I can see the brush strokes. And right. like, I can imagine like Van Gogh stood exactly where I'm standing, not, you know, literally in the museum, but like, he stood two feet away from this painting, looking at it with his eyes, just like I'm looking at it with my eyes right now. Yeah. Or looking at School of Athens and how enormous this painting is and imagining like having the daunting task of covering this whole mm. space with paint or whatever. Um, and it felt, uh, how, how did it feel? It felt different, odd, exciting, yeah. weird, but not... I wasn't going to faint. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it felt exciting. Right. The closest I could think of to that is seeing Frank by Chuck Close. Oh, at, yeah. What is that? What's the Minnesota Museum? The Walker? It might be. Think, or is it the Minneapolis Institute of Art? MIA? Yeah, it's, it's the MIA. Okay. Um, but that is a piece of art that's designed to literally be overwhelming. I mean, it's right. a painting of a, you know, a portrait of a man who's, you know, the size of an enormous wall. Like, right, right. I mean, all of his, most of his paintings are huge like that. Right, yeah. so it's like intimidating in that right, way. <laughs> right. That's the closest I could think of. Hmm. Question number nine. Blank syndrome is a cluster of obsessive or delusional conditions characterized with an intense religious theme and is triggered by a visit to this city. Wait, blank syndrome? Yeah, the name of the syndrome is... The name of the city, Syndrome. Oh. 
Vatican. <laughs> Good guess. Know. Good guess. Or uh, I don't know. Israel isn't a city, but like Bethlehem. Oh, you're so Jerusalem. Close. Jerusalem syndrome okay. is the correct answer. Yeah. It's not, you know, a recognized disorder or anything, but there is a number of notable cases where people will visit Jerusalem. And it's particularly interesting because it's among patients who were previously mentally healthy, but then they get there and they just go into this, you know, crazy religious fervor. They either think that they're the Messiah, come back to Jerusalem or something or mm. things like that. Yeah. It's also interesting that it's um, typically among the three monotheistic religions, Judaism, mm-hmm. Christianity, sure. Islam, but it's not limited to any one of them. So it's been experienced by people from all three of those religions. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Question number 10. Alice in Wonderland syndrome results in distortions of perception, namely that objects are what? Uh, animate. Oh, good guess. <laughs> oh, um, very big or very small? Correct. Smaller or larger or closer or farther away than they actually are. Hmm. So the delusion of perception would be like this microphone is like, I'm tiny in comparison to this microphone or something sure. like that. Or I reach for this cord yep. and it feels like 10, yeah. <laughs> ten feet away yeah. from me, even though it's only like one foot away from me. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I look at like, I'll lay in bed and look at my feet and be like, they are so far away. Yeah. <laughs> That's the closest I can come to well, this, relating to that. <laughs> this really sounds like being high to me is yeah. when like, yeah, when your spatial relationships get really messed up. Like, my hand is so big, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Or, like, you reach for something and you realize, like, you, you way overshoot it. Like, you try yeah. to reach for something and it's like, oh, yeah. It's, like, right there. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. So I do. I wasn't really keeping track of, like, <laughs> how you did because that feels like not the point here. Uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, you're right. 10 out of 10. Very good. Okay. Your best score yet. You have to do the game again next time. Really? Yeah. Okay. So now is the point in the show where we recommend. Oh, no. Kayleen. Oh, no. Sounds like you've got something to recommend. I just thought of something the other day, and I was like, oh, I'll recommend this. And then I forgot it. You go first. All right. So I'm going to recommend another podcast, one I've become kind of obsessed with lately. It's called You're Wrong About. And it's these two journalists, Michael Hobbs and Sarah Marshall, and they basically talk about something from the relatively recent cultural past and frame it in a light that makes you feel like, oh, now I understand it, or oh, wow, why were we not talking about that aspect of it, or Hmm. oh, this is what was really going on. So... A typical example is, like, they did an episode on Anna Nicole Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you're growing up and you're our yeah. age, you think you have an understanding of who she was. Sure. And yet there's, like, a whole long backstory to, like, where she came from, mm-hmm. who she was. Like, she had a really horribly sad life. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's just kind of a – it was kind of redemptive to hear, like, oh, no, like, we really treated her horribly as mm-hmm. a cultural figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of thing. Or the one that I've been listening to is about the DC sniper case. 
Uh, do you remember this Mm-mm. from around 2001, 2002, 2003? No. no. It was on like every morning in homeroom <laughs> because we would just have CNN on in the classroom in the morning. So like it was a big deal. Like there were cases of people just like standing at the gas pump uh, around the belt way in dc and like they would just drop dead because someone had just shot them and it was somebody sniping from the back of a car okay and so it was somebody like laying in the back of the car with a little like right piece cut out and then shooting just random people yeah but but it goes into the whole backstory about like what who those people were like how did how do you get to the point where that's what you're doing they're also like funny ones too like you know I'm trying to think of one that's a little bit more lighthearted. That's the oh, they're all kind of sad. It's the dark I'm, ones that stick with you. Yeah, they're all kind of sad now that I think about it. But I just really like the way these these two journalists are willing to take something that you think like, oh yeah, I know, I know what the story was there, and then they give you enough information that you're like, oh well, wait, there's like a whole other side hmm. to this that I've never thought about, or like, I didn't realize that that's what was going on. Hmm. So, and they're just really charming hosts as well. Just really enjoyable to have in your ears for an hour or two. Hmm. So much like us. I mean, not as much as us. We're way better. <laughs> We're very charming. I mean, come on. But that's my recommendation. So that's you're wrong about the podcast. Hmm. Have I recommended hot yoga before? Yes, you have. I thought I did. Okay. Well, I like that. What else do I like? Oh, I know what I was going to recommend. Great. Did I recommend getting your eyebrows threaded before? No. All right. I thought of my recommendation. I remembered. I am going to recommend getting your eyebrows threaded. Look how good my eyebrows look, Jordan. They look great. I know. It's because I got my eyebrows threaded. If you don't know what this is. Yes. It For is. all of the people out there who don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? No, I don't. <laughs> um, okay, so you understand the idea of like plucking your eyebrow hair or waxing your eyebrow hair, correct? To remove the hair that you stray don't Stray hairs. Right. Stray hairs. Like you are shaping your eyebrow into a uh, distinct shape that right. is pleasing and, I don't know, aesthetically proportionate to your face. Right. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Um, so in the past, I had gotten my eyebrows waxed. Very painful, very red. I get, I have sensitive skin. Didn't like that. I would pluck my eyebrows. Um, also painful. Also just didn't feel like I was very good at it. Also took a long time. So a couple of years ago, I was like, there's this place near us, like a few miles from us that does threading. And I didn't know what it was, but I was kind of like, all right, let's look into this. Um, they take a cotton thread. It's like a string. And they twist it around and they twist it right along the edge of your eyebrow and it like pulls the hairs out or cuts them at your skin. I don't know how, I don't honestly don't even understand how it works. It's almost like they have, it's like two strings twisted together. And then as they pull them, they get tighter and that like pulls the hairs out. Mm. Am I making sense right now? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. It still sounds kind of magic. It is, it is very magical. It's weird. Like you sit in the chair and you put your head back and it's also kind of funny because you have to, you have to do this. You have to hold your eye down and then pull your eyebrow up like this. So she's got both hands on her face. It's <laughs> almost like she's pulling her eye wide open, except she's pulling her eyebrow taut. 
but my eyes shut. But her eyes shut. So I'm pulling like my eyelid, my closed eyelid down, and my hairline up. Yeah. It sounds weirder than it is, but it's just to make your skin really taut. And then she literally has a string, and it's like twisted around her fingers, and then she like pulls it right along the edge of your eyebrow, and it like pulls the hairs out. And it doesn't feel good by any means, but it feels way less bad than waxing or plucking, and it's very fast. Mm. And it costs me 12 bucks. I tip them three, so it's 15. Yeah. I do it like every couple months. Yeah. And it makes me feel like my eyebrows have a nice shape. Mm. And I do feel like men especially could benefit from this. <laughs> like, I know that eyebrow. I feel like eyebrows are like, well, eyelashes are a thing now. Like people wearing fake eyelashes are like very popular. Eyebrows are maybe something that people were into a few years ago. But yeah. like it, like the shape of your eyebrow and the color of your eyebrow really does change the look of your face. Mm-hmm. So I started just paying a little bit more attention to my eyebrows. I am not one of those women that like you look overwhelmed. <laughs> I kind of wanted to. So your you, your recommendation is that everyone go get. Their, their eyebrows, eyebrows threaded, threaded, including men. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Should men. I do it? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's not invasive. It, like I think I literally was in there for less than ten minutes. Your eyebrow, your eyes do water. Like my eyes water afterward because um, it is it is painful a little sure. bit, but it's not. I mean, suck it up. Also, I guess I'm a woman, and like we. Do lots of painful things to ourselves to look right, nice. Right. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things where I, once I discovered it, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is what I will do now for my eyebrows. And so, hmm. especially if I were a man, and you don't have a unibrow, but like men that have unibrows or things like that, like hair that grows in between. I don't have really heavy brows. No, either. you don't. But your eyebrows aren't super defined. No. And like, you have very light, like blonde hairs around your eyebrow, which I have also, Mm. and it just cleans it up. Sure. It's one of those things that you can do that just makes you look a little nicer, but you're not really sure why someone looks just a little nicer. Right. So, eyebrow Well, maybe I'll go do it. Maybe I'll just go do it. I told you that you If I did it, I don't think you would even notice. But you would notice, and that's what matters. That's right. Okay, I have an extra tiny little tip. This is like a secondary recommendation. Yeah. Dyeing your eyebrows mm. at home using just for men beard and mustache dye. I had a friend recommend this to me a couple of years ago. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. So I use the medium brown shade mm-hmm. because, again, I have very light eyebrows. Very faint eyebrows, yeah. Yeah, I do. They're like my, my, my hair color is quite a bit darker than my eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And so I need that contrast on my face. I'm also very white. Yeah. <laughs> so like I need that contrast. Yeah. And for a long time I had used um just like an eyebrow pencil to like kind of just darken mm-hmm. myself. But like you don't want your eyebrows to look drawn on. Like that's not that's not in style anymore. Okay. <laughs> and you can go and like pay a salon to dye your eyebrows, but it's you have to drive there, it's expensive. Bleh. So she said use this just for men hair dye that you can men buy to, you know, cover up the gray in their beards or their mustaches and use it to dye your eyebrows. I'll say it has been interesting walking into our shared bathroom and finding <laughs> a box of just for men 
beard dye. <laughs> it's not for you. And feeling like a character in Memento or something. <laughs> You're like, did I buy this? Did I buy this? I don't have a beard. <laughs> Kayleen, do you have other men in this house? Beardy men. Bearded men. Beardy. Um, so so this is my eyebrow regimen. I, I dye my eyebrows. It's very subtle. It just makes them a little darker. And then I don't really have to use a pencil on them. And then I go get them threaded. And yeah. Listeners, I'll let you in on a little secret. Keeling will often walk into the room that I'm currently in and say, do you notice anything different about me? And I usually don't. <laughs> and so I've learned to just say, oh, your eyebrows. <laughs> I've conditioned you. Because it's a good answer. It's a good guess. <laughs> if this were family feud, everyone would clap. Good guess. Good guess. Good guess. I do look better. I look better after my eyebrows are done. Just incrementally, like half a percentage point better. We can all use that. I know. So great. There you go. Okay. Eyebrow maintenance. That, well, thank you for that recommendation. <laughs> now is the point in the episode where we talk about our favorite moment. Do you have a favorite moment or line? Mm. I'll tell you that mine is. I don't know if I have a favorite in this one. Mine is probably Bill and the line. I'm widely considered to be an inveterate riot liar, and rightly so. See, I can't even get through the sentence hmm. though, as cleanly as he does. No favorite moment, no favorite shot, no favorite... I mean... One thing else, if I can double dip for a second, sure. another one that I liked is uh, when Beth is talking to Lisa, and Lisa starts to raise her voice, and Beth says, hold that thought, I'm going to go freshen up. And she kind of like prances out of the break room. Ugh, no. Oh, that was, I thought you would like that. No, I just like the whole the whole Lisa getting turned on when she's mad thing was just like, that was a dude's idea to make her character like that. That was not a woman's idea. It was written by Leslie Cavaney. Yeah, I still think it was a dude's idea. Leslie, reach out and tell us. Is <laughs> Keeling right? Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite in this one. Sorry. Okay, that's fair. So, we like to give a rating to the episode. Kayleen, you get to pick the unit this time. Chinese yo-yos. Could we do the more generic, like, desk toys? No. There's something that feels really uncomfortable to me about calling it a Chinese yo-yo. Isn't that what it's too? called? I think that Americans call everything that's slightly um. weird Chinese. Like, Chinese checkers, Chinese yo-yo. Actually, Chinese checkers I was reading was uh, developed by like a American, right? But they called it that to make it seem more exotic. Exotic, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's I know. like a yo-yo, but it's weird. It's, Let's just call yeah. it a Chinese yo-yo. Okay. All right, we'll just call it paper, paper extendable paper wand. That's your that's your unit. Are you kidding? No, as I'm opposed not. to desk toys or no extendable paper wand. Yeah, uh, memos. No, no extendable paper wand. You get to pick. On a scale from one to five extendable paper wands. <laughs> Kayleen, what do you give this episode? Mm, 2.7. Any particular reason? Yeah, it just wasn't super funny, super engaging. Okay. It was fine. I'm glad they didn't get back together. Yeah. Yet. I don't know. Are they going to? I feel like they will. Nice. Uh, that sounds about right. I'm going to give it a 2.9, like mm. just below average. Um, it's fine. I'm... There are things I really like about this episode, 
but on the whole, it's not particularly interesting. They don't give a lot of the characters much interesting to do. I know. I like it kind of when everybody has their own thing going on and everybody mm-hmm. gets something interesting to do. Mm-hmm. All right. For next time, we're going to be talking about season two, episode 19, entitled Presence, which is, again, Christmas Presents? Present? <laughs> Um, no, presence. You have a haunting presence about you. <laughs> You've never been told that? I, I mean, constantly. <laughs> we only have three episodes left in this season. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited to see how the season ends. Don't tell me. I, I won't tell you a thing. Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to tell our listeners? Sorry, it's been so long. Yeah, thanks for hanging in there. Like I said, I would, I would love to do this more, but life just kept getting in the way. So yeah. we're still here, still, still kicking. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> it's like the AOL dude. Goodbye. Goodbye. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye.